Raiders Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new Flyers Daily edition for Thursday, February 24th. Flyers will be back in action. They'll continue the eight-game homestand as I grab my trusty paper schedule because I still print things. Um, and it's against the Washington Capitals. They opened the homestand against the Caps. That was that tough loss where Garnet Hathaway scored the tying goal and then eventually the winning goal against the Flyers. Matinee game on Saturday against the Caps, 12:30 at Wells Fargo. Then the Flyers will kick off the month of March with the Edmonton Oilers as Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the high-flying, once again high-flying, Oilers come to town. Then Minnesota will be in town on March 3rd. The 5th, it'll be the Chicago Blackhawks. And then March 8th, the Vegas Golden Knights. Then the Flyers will head on the road for two against Florida and Carolina. All while we inch closer and closer to what's going to be a very important date this season. The trade deadline is always important. If you're a team that's ticketed for the playoffs, it's important because you can bolster your team. Although I've never been a big acquisition at the trade deadline to put you over the top because rarely are the players that are really going to put you over the top available but you get for depth and some more security you know you can always use more defensemen you can always use some goaltending depth flyers will have both of them those things available uh, to potential playoff teams at the trade deadline but they do have a rarity at the trade deadline, and that's a player of Claude Giroux's caliber. So we're kind of inching our way towards it. We're now within a month of the NHL trade deadline. Again, it'll be on Sunday. It'll be on Monday, March 21st, and uh, we'll see what happens between now and then. And there's a lot of players that could be ticketed for uh, a new team to put on a new jersey and make a run at the Cup. Uh, Claude Drew certainly looks like he's going to be one of them. Rasmus Ristolainen looks like he's going to be one. That could be one that kind of comes down to really close to the deadline. I know the Flyers are interested in signing him, and he brings something that they need, that they needed, and they need more of, frankly, in my opinion, is that snarl, that grit, that physicality, that tenacity. Um, they could use a little bit more of that. And if you lose Rasmus Ristolainen, you're going to be looking for that again. So, uh, and maybe even more of that this offseason. So we'll see how that one plays out. Justin Braun is a guy to me that fits on so many teams because of so many different reasons. One, can still play. Two, has a salary that doesn't really prohibit many teams from getting in on that action, especially a prorated salary at the trade deadline. And He's a defenseman, a right shot defenseman. And that's one thing that a lot of teams could use. So, um, And I think he's got good value. And he's a guy that played in San Jose and went on some pretty pronounced playoff runs. So he'll be a valuable asset to any team. Uh, and we'll see how this plays out. We'll also see if Saturday uh, Joel Farabee gets back in the lineup. I had a chance to see Joel up in the press box about a week ago, I want to say. And uh, he's itching to get back. I had a chance to talk to him. And hopefully he'll be back in the lineup uh, come Saturday when the Flyers take on the Caps. Love to see him get his season going again and really finish strong because his development, we've talked about development so much on this podcast in the What's Wrong with the Flyers series, and we're going to get to another one of those coming up. But he's one of the guys that has really developed very well, and I look to continue watching him develop and taking it a step further. You know, part of development is also incumbent upon the player and Joel Farabee, I remember he came in in that first year where he broke into the NHL, didn't make the team out of camp, 
uh, was when they were went to the Czech Republic to open the season. Uh, went down, started with the Phantoms, eventually got called up, had a ton of great scoring chances in that first year, but just wasn't finishing them. Had some goals. I think he had eight goals that first season. And then he came back the next year, and he was finishing much more of those opportunities. And I remember talking to him. I believe it was on Flyers Daily and talking about that ability to finish. And it was something that he recognized in his first year that he had to get better at was finishing. He had to get a, he had to work on his shot. He had to work on different angles to let the puck go and all of those things. And he really worked on it in the offseason and came back the next year and added that to his game. And you just saw a player that was going to the right places to get opportunities in his first year, but not finishing. And then in the second year, the instincts of still going to the right places, but now finishing at the NHL level, and it made all the difference in the world for him. So uh, look forward to seeing if Joel Farabee can get back on the ice. Now, another one of the submissions for uh, what's wrong with the Flyers, this is a buddy of mine. I grew up playing hockey with him, so I know he knows the game. And this is a little bit more technical um, than some of the other ones. And, you know, we've all heard about development and roster construction and coaching and systems and and Ed gets into some of that it's uh, OC Stagger Lee on Twitter and it's my good buddy Ed Riddy and he says I wasn't going to comment on what's wrong with the Flyers but I haven't heard these so far so he said I'm going to address it from a couple of perspectives first tactically and that's what we're going to get into and he said first the Flyers strong side wingers play too high on the breakout it's too easy for the opposition to pinch, therefore keeping the puck in. Also, there is rarely a good second option, like an open center. If the weak side winger flies the zone, that's great, but all three players are leaving the zone, and that also might be because the defensemen are taking too long. And when I read that at first, I was like, hmm, that's really interesting. And I thought about it, and he sent this to me a couple of days ago, and I watched for it in that last game against the St. Louis Blues. And he's right. Sometimes the D has to play with more pace and quick up the puck. Those players are leaving the zone to stress the opponent, to get them to back off and provide some ice. The D sometimes seems to kind of go D to D or regroup, and it doesn't seem like it's on the same pace as the forwards looking to get back on the counterattack. And that's a great point that he brings up. I think the defensemen sometimes are taking a little too long. It's one of the things you lost when you lost Ryan Ellis was that ability to make that first pass and get right back on the opposition quickly, get them on their heels so you can get up the ice with pace, obtain the zone, and get in on the forecheck, create opportunities off the rush. He's the the best first passer they have. And they don't have really anybody with that skill set now. Keith Yandel was one of those guys. He's not... Obviously, it's suited at this point in his career to be that guy. Uh, but not having Ryan Ellis is a big part of that. Travis Sanheim does it a little bit. But to not have a guy that can give you those quick ups and when those when, when the forwards see possession flips and you got a guy that's going to not only get that puck but make a really good first pass, that puts a ton of stress on the opposition. So great point by him. His second point was flyers are too easy to break out against. Now, this is something I have talked about and talked about more when Elaine Vigneault was still still here, but they're still running a 2-1-2 split forecheck in the offensive zone, which is a very aggressive forecheck. And if you don't 
have speed. You don't come into the zone when the puck is dumped on a 2 1 2 4 check and have the forwards get in deep on those two defensemen, then it is very easy to break out against. It's one pass, it's beat, and then it's numbers the other way. And what Ed said, he said, I'd love to see the Flyers run a 1 2 2. Um, that creates more turnovers. Well, the 2 1 2 actually will create more turnovers if you have the right personnel to run it and you execute it properly because it's a high pressure, high risk forecheck. The 1 2 2 is a little bit more passive, but you will get those pucks high in the zone because you have two forwards high and just one low. So it's kind of the way you prefer to skin a cat, but with what the Flyers have right now from a roster standpoint and speed standpoint and personnel standpoint, I'd like to see them run a 1-2-2. Now, it's easy to just say, hey, go from a 2-1-2 to a 1-2-2, because that's not what a coach maybe believes. That's his system. But, and look, every player knows how to run a 1-2-2. It's not like, hey, I've been running a 2-1-2. I'd have to learn the 1-2-2. Oh, my goodness, that'd be so difficult. It's not. Every player's run a 1-2-2 at some point in their careers and over their development as a hockey player. So it's not that. The personnel they have right now, I think, is more lent to a 1-2-2 a, a two, two than it is a 2-1-2-4 check. Um, he also said the Flyers don't counterattack quickly enough. The rare times that they get a turnover, it turns into a regroup, fast teams counterattack. And again, this is a great what's wrong with the Flyers because that is dead on. And I remember talking to John Torchetti, the new Flyers assistant coach, and he talked about exactly that, how we counter has to be with pace and it has to be as a unit. Because if you just, if you force those turnovers and then you regroup, it's like everything kind of grinds to a standstill. The turnover is a quick opportunity to put the opposition right back on their heels. And the Flyers have not done that enough. Matter of fact, I remember talking to Ian LaPerriere on the podcast and talking about in the neutral zone where they do run a 1 2 2 in the neutral zone. And when you get those turnovers, you got to do the right thing with the puck, and they weren't countering quickly enough. And it was making it easy on a turnover for the opposition to then defend because there wasn't enough pace to a turnover and counterattack. So, again, great point from Ed. Um, and the last one he brings up is that the defensemen need to get shots through with a screen. It could be as easy as quick lateral movement at the blue line, then release. And that was one thing Shane Gostaspare was very good at changing the angle of his shots. He wasn't great at hitting the net before you kind of bang your your radio or your phone or whatever you're listening to this on, but changing the angle, getting some space to find a lane. And that is, sometimes that can be a quick lateral movement. Sometimes that can be starting with the puck far away from your body and pulling that in for the release of the shot to find a lane to the net. And it, it's something that was preached when Elaine Vigneault was still here, towards the end, and I know Mike Yo has talked about it quite a bit, of generating more shot opportunities and getting traffic to the net. So all of those three, I think, are bang on. They're bang on. Strong side wingers playing too high and then not playing with enough pace getting out of the zone. Totally agree. Flyers too easy to break out against. Couldn't agree more. It's one of the reasons why they defend too much. Not counterattacking quickly enough? Absolutely. I agree with that as well. And the defensemen needing, needing to get shots through, especially with a screen and finding that lane to the net. That is four points that Ed made. And I think he nailed all four of them. That's a, 
That's a going four for four at the plate. Home run on each one of them. Great job from my boy Ed Riddy. I knew I could count on him to give me some great, great hockey knowledge. And they're great points. So I ask you, when the Flyers come back on Saturday against the Washington Capitals, look for those things. Are they counterattacking with pace? Are they getting shots through from the point with traffic to the net? Are the wingers too high and making it easy for the opposition to hem them in and stay on the forecheck and stay in their zone? And are the Flyers too easy to break out against? Look for those four things and then get hit me up on Twitter and let me know if you're seeing the same things that Ed saw. And that, now that he mentions it, I totally agree. Great, great. What's wrong with the Flyers email? A lot of technical stuff in there. I get it. But it's great information and great analysis. So that's why I love doing the What's Wrong with the Flyer series. Because you guys are knowledgeable. You guys know what you're looking at. And that's proof positive right there. All right, we'll have another brand new episode of Flyers Daily coming up tomorrow on a Friday. Everybody, enjoy your Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily. Walk away. I walk away.